and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Lone Star News coming to you guys live on this Sunday afternoon, February 20th, 2022. I hope you guys are having a great afternoon as always. And I am your host, Michael Aaron Gossidis, otherwise known as Mr. C. And uh, again, I hope this uh, beautiful Sunday afternoon is finding you guys well. <clears throat> and I want to thank you all for joining us today as uh, we're doing a special live show uh, with a special guest, actually, uh, to speak with. I'll bring uh, the good sir in just a moment. Uh, just so you guys are aware, we are currently live over at Pilled and Foxhole, as well as Twitch, Rumble, and and also Clout Hub, guys. So I hope you guys are ready for a good one. Now, as you know, we do uh, we do Texas-centric news and current events on Lone Star News. I know that's something I don't got to tell you. But every now and then we get a special guest on in uh, who uh, well, we like to focus on our we like to focus on our Texas people who are running to, you know, um, to restore the republic, save America, America first candidates and all the good likes. That's what we like to do here at the show. So uh, without wasting any further time, we have a candidate who's actually running for Congressional District 20 which is based here in San Antonio, Texas. That's my hometown. That's where I'm situated. Uh, and he's a man by the name of Kyle Sinclair. Uh, now, Kyle Sinclair has served in the United States Army National Guard, and he did this between 2006 and 2008. He earned an associate degree from Lone Star College at Sci Fair in 2005. He has a bachelor's degree in health administrative service from Weber State University and a master's degree in health administration from Ohio University in 2016. So uh, the man absolutely uh, has some credentials, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he uh, has had, he's had a career in over, for, I believe for over 20 years, and that experience includes working as the CEO of Warm Springs and of Kindred Healthcare. Uh, he's been the regional sales manager with Guardian Healthcare and an regional account executive with Baptist Health Systems, ladies and gentlemen. And this is the man who's running in District 20 to take out the Marxist, Joaquin Castro. And, uh, well, let's go ahead and invite Kyle on into the show. And very much looking forward to uh, speaking with you today. So, uh, yeah. well, I mean, all, all else aside, uh, how is your Sunday afternoon going? Just, you know... If you, Cordiality is here, but yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> doing, doing really well. I mean, uh, spend some time with the family and did a little, you know, prepping, grocery shopping with the wife and kids and getting ready for the week. And, you know, obviously did uh, the whole church scene and uh, mm -hmm. spent some time for that. But uh, overall, it's a good Sunday. So glad to be on and, and uh, apologize about the technical issues, but glad we can uh, continue. Absolutely. No worries. No worries. Yeah. You'd mentioned uh, in the pre-show, uh, father of eight. 
yeah. so yeah. you've got you've got a strapping family there, and uh, I'm sure that keeps your hands full as long as well as with uh, with the work that you do, sir. Um, perhaps we could talk a little bit about that. I know that uh, having someone on who is running in a congressional district uh, like, you know, District 20 here in San Antonio, for those who don't know, it's like the medical center area, you know, uh, but but also uh, along with that, uh, going going into Congress as a, someone who has this type of experience is something that we don't see too often. They're usually lawyers and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, to, to your point, I think uh, I think that's a big draw to what's going on in this country. And, and before I even launched, that was, you know, questions I started asking, right? What does the party need? Is this something even uh, worth my doing? Because I, I am a, a uh, healthcare professional and, and currently a CEO of a hospital. And, um, you know, and, and all of the things that were coming back to me is that this country is tired of career politicians. Mm-hmm. And, and I will tell you as a constituent of a congressman and, and a member of, of society, I, I am tired of career politicians who don't represent me, who don't listen to me and, and don't do uh, what, what I feel this country is in the headed uh, in the wrong direction. So that was, you know, a big part of, of me running is I think we need people with real world experience uh, that come from not, uh, you know, I, I would say, again, that career politician. You know, the, the other mm-hmm. thing that's interesting, too, out of, out of 435 members in Congress and the Republican side, there's only like 14 members that have any health care experience. That's literally like 3.4% of the sitting members of Congress that have any healthcare experience. Um, and so that is another draw for me, but yet they vote on healthcare bills and make laws that represent 20% of our GDP, which is roughly about $4 trillion. So, I mean, it's a, it's a mm. big deal, definitely a big deal. Yeah, that is, that is huge. I think, uh, the only ones I would be familiar with was like, you know, Dr. Paul, you know, is pretty much the only one that comes to mind uh, for myself personally speaking. Uh, yeah. but that's that the point there. That is a good point. Um, considering all of the bills that they're writing and everything that we've been through in the last two years alone, um, could definitely use, I think, a perspective of a medical professional. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I have I have several members of the uh, physician caucus, obviously on the Republican side, because I'm running for in the Republican ticket, um, that have endorsed my campaign. Um, I've, you know, I've had a lot of Bear County Medical Society, which is where I'm in San Antonio. I'm talking to Texas Medical Society of, of, for healthcare professionals and, and just a massive amount of support from the physician community in San Antonio. There, there's a need for healthcare is always around. It's always the top, you know, three to five topics in this country. Um, mm-hmm. and, and all of us experience and need healthcare. Um, and then just my experience of, of going through COVID and leading hospitals and teams during COVID is, uh, you know, those are, those are big things to me on, on leadership and how you deal with uh, uh, national and, and uh, healthcare emergencies. So. Yeah, that's, uh, I think I'd, I previously uh, heard another interview that you had done uh, with another um, live stream show and uh, very interesting uh, talking about your COVID-19 experience, especially being in the medical industry is definitely something that I think is lacking from a lot uh, of uh, individuals. How how did you feel about the entire experience being in the medical field and the response uh, locally from our governor as well as on an, I mean, we all have an idea here, uh, how we feel like about the mandates and things like that, but what was that like for you, sir? 
Yeah, no, and, and I'll start I'll start big and, and come down local, right? So I think from the national level, I think Trump did a phenomenal job on warp speed in regards to prepping this country for a vaccine. Uh, you know, on the local level or, or even, you know, state level from the governor all the way through the local health entities, such as in San Antonio, it's Metro Health is what is our epidemiologist and, and healthcare entity that manages um, those type of diseases. You know, and, and I will I will start with my viewpoint is the federal government has a role to play in regards to epidemics and, and national calamities. And, and in this case of, of healthcare, um, their job is to help the community figure out the problems, figure out what it is, how do you stop it, how do you prevent it, and how do you move forward? And then your job is to leave, right? And unfortunately, this has become a political um, uh, a political uh, disease, and, and you're seeing it across both spectrums from the Republican side to the Democratic side. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think Governor Abbott tried his best. I think we were all very scared in the beginning. Uh, again, my so San Antonio had three waves, or, well, four waves, I should say, of COVID-19. Uh, the first mm -hmm. patient got sick March 11th of 2020. I had my first employee get COVID March 27th of 2020. I immediately created a COVID unit, was talking with infectious disease and epidemiologist and, and, and critical care intensivist. So I've been actively involved in it for well over two years. Um, or, or right about two years. So, you know, it's interesting, again, my viewpoint, and, and it came very fast that uh, the vaccine is not a true vaccine where it eradicates a disease. Measles, mm -hmm. mumps, tobacco, you know, chicken pox, and some of those diseases, you don't see them anymore. They're not prevalent across mm -hmm. the United States. And so that vaccine did not eradicate that disease. What we're mm -hmm. seeing, though, is that this is a virus that continues to mutate, and that's why we're chasing certain variants of it, right? Um, and why right. you have to get a booster because it changed. Um, and so I don't think this should be called a vaccine. This is more like a flu shot where they're chasing variants of it. Mm -hmm. Most people don't realize in the United States, we have 60 to 80,000 people that die every single year from the common flu. Mm -hmm. And we have the flu shot and it doesn't stop it. It doesn't eradicate it. Um, mm -hmm. So I threw a lot out there to you, but there's there's a lot of uh, things that our government agencies should have done, could have done, and, and then obviously went to extreme uh, with mandates and lockdowns. And, and again, I'm 100%, I will say this emphatically, I'm 100% against federal government mandates of mm -hmm. any vaccine and taking away your ability to choose and, and protect by the Constitution. Um, so mm -hmm. I'll pause there, but I gave a lot of information on yeah. that. Uh, and, you know, it's really stuff that we can talk about. It's refreshing to hear that because so many people in my audience are very well aware uh, that these are not real vaccines. And yeah. we don't get we don't really have the ability to express that. You know, like I said, you know, we've been we've been booted off and nuked off of, uh, you know, platforms like YouTube or Facebook, you know, Twitter. And that's just for speaking to what that is. So it is it is actually really refreshing to be able to speak with someone who is uh, found themselves in a position to where they, they can actually do something about it. You know, once you get elected into office, um, are you able to speak anything about like the uh, the entire mRNA, uh, you know, uh, type of inoculations that these are? Because it it's correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're the medical pro here. I have no medical experience whatsoever, but. It seems to me like it's possible that it's because these are, in fact, mRNA gene type of inoculations that, that maybe that's what's causing the variant. I don't know if you could speak to that or not or if you have any. Uh... Yeah, so so I would I would always preface and, 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 and continue to preface anytime I talk about COVID or any type of experience that I've had with it. Again, I have two years experience, but I always preface and put a caveat. I am not a medical physician. 
And I think oh. that's where this, I, I will always spe uh, specify that um, I'm, I'm in health administration and currently CEO of a hospital. Um, and I don't try to practice medicine and I don't try to act like I share my viewpoints and my experience based off of what I've dealt with for two years of COVID. Um, and, and I think that's where this federal government, particularly the Biden administration, has got it wrong. Um, they have mm -hmm. downplayed that uh, role of the individual physician um, has with the patient. Um, and, and that has not been discussed. Neither has um, people who have gotten COVID and have the immunity. That's another factor. Um, but in regards to some of the things you specifically asked, I don't, I don't have enough experience and wouldn't even try to, to, to make a decision or, or input. I don't have enough research and, and input um, to be able to share that. Um, so well, I'm, I unfortunately, I'm, that. yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'd rather, I'd rather be upfront with you and just, I'm not going to speak off the cuff of something I don't, I don't know about and, and want to be very honest and truthful uh, about my experience with COVID. So. I got you. I got you. And uh, just uh, the, the mandates and, and the, the forced kind of regulation, I think that is, that is definitely a primary concern for a lot of us. So it's good to hear, but it's, it's actually, it's very refreshing to hear someone who can speak to uh, some of those things in regards to, like you mentioned, with the vaccines and, and that kind of thing. So most definitely. Um, I just, I got to say also, I think the interview that I said and, and uh, that I'd heard you in previously, uh, you talked about your experience uh, during the, um, during the grid power outage uh, last February. And we were actually just talking with our audience about that a couple of shows ago. So I really wanted to, uh, well, I mean, I wanted to commend you for what the story that you told about, you know, taking, uh, you know, driving these trucks through the snow uh, to bring yeah. the food to the hospitals. That's just, that must've been crazy, sir. That must've been crazy. It, it was, I mean, I mean, I, I, number one, and the second we started having issues, I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that what we need to do and, and to get it done. So I apologize. I've got a young daughter screaming in the background. <laughs> Um, hang on one second. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's see. We got uh, Judy, the lady pug. Thank you for donating a cookie. Much appreciated, ma'am. And uh, what else do we got going on here? Two Rivers, good to see you, sir, in the audience. Hope you're having a good Sunday afternoon. All right. And all, yes, we are good, guys. We are good. So let me see here. And uh, Trevor says, everyone is at risk um, of blood clots. CDC and Pfizer issues urgent warnings on blood clots, even in the healthiest athletes. Yeah, that is, uh, that is, that is quite an issue there, ladies and gentlemen, as you are very well aware. <laughs> Uh, can he speak to the protocols being pushed on hospitals to push ventilators and remdesivir instead of getting early treatments? Uh, Akira, I will ask. Yeah, I did hear that question. So I, I will tell you, that's a, that's a tough subject. Um, you know, at the beginning of this disease and beginning of hospitals, we're trying to figure out COVID itself, right? And, and I think physicians are trying to figure out, insurance trying to figure out, hospitals, hospital administration are trying to figure out. Uh, at the beginning, which was a very, very deadly disease, right? And as the disease continued to progress over the years with different variants, the death rate continued to decrease, right? And that's what you see in most um, uh, viruses, right? The transmissibility increases, but the death rate decreases. 
And that's what we saw with this last Omicron. Everybody was getting it. Didn't matter if you're vaccinated. Didn't matter if you're unvaccinated. Didn't matter if you wore a mask or not. And so it was very transmissible um, with this this last Omicron variant. But the death rate was extremely low. Um, and mm-hmm. so, but yet, federal government, particularly Biden administration, continued to double down, mask up. The blue deep states of, of Democrat-led governments or governors continue to push mass mandates and, and shutting business down and churches down and taking civil liberties, which is partly one of the reasons I decided to run. Um, and I keep saying that there's a saying that says, if you allow the federal government to break the law during emergency, they will always mm-hmm. create an emergency to break the law. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at right now with this federal government is they're continuing to increase and break laws. And it's not just in healthcare. Um, it goes across many spectrums and aspects of of, you know, weaponizing the Department of Justice against parents for critical race theories, they speak up. And you're seeing it across the the world, actually, not just in in the United States, you're seeing it in Canada, Canada started it, right? Mm -hmm. New Zealand, Austria, Australia, India, right? And Mm -hmm. and just people want their freedoms and their liberties and their their way of life back from uh, hands of of governments that continue to take their liberties away. So I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a, a conservative Republican, um, and very much try to be a constitutionalist and, and value uh, the Constitution and the amendments uh, that are placed forth. And, and it's got to be protected and fought against. And that's why we have different levels of government for that very purpose. Um, so mm-hmm. they, they knew that. They knew there was going to be a time. I found if I knew there was going to be a time that the, a too powerful government would uh, take powers away from, from the people. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And uh, well, speaking of uh, the campaign, then, you know, uh, here in San Antonio, as in most of the, the bigger city centers in Texas, those tend to be blue or Democrat historically, probably about the only areas of Texas that are actually Democrat, um, according to uh, according to their numbers and how they vote. What is your campaign looking like right now against Joaquin Castro? Yeah, great, great thing. So I, I would uh, preface even that. So I'm the Republican nominee, so I have no primary race. Uh, uh, Joaquin Castro, the incumbent, my opponent does not have a primary race either. So our race is literally in November. Um, the, the polls are looking great. I just looked at them this morning. Um, typically, to your point, it is typically a deeper state blue. Most metropolitan cities in the state of Texas are uh, blue from mayors to city councils. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's tons of red across Texas. Um, in mm-hmm. San Antonio, Bear County, um, we are almost 50-50. So what you're seeing nationally from some of the polls in regards to the Democrats are not voting Democrat. They're not voting Republicans. They're flipping sides. You're seeing independents. So we're seeing it in, in uh, San Antonio, too. We're literally about 800 off. Um, and so we're literally almost 50-50 right now. So that is wow. that is great uh, for Republicans, that, that quote-unquote red wave. Um, it's not necessarily Republicans getting out and voting more. What you're seeing is independents and Democrats saying, I didn't vote for this. I didn't want, you know, high crime rate. I didn't want to defund my police. I didn't want to, you know, have the, the most expensive Thanksgiving and Christmas. I didn't want high gas mm-hmm. prices. But unfortunately, when you voted that way, you put people in power who have those policies that lead to where we are currently at, which is one of the mm-hmm. worst years, right? Inflation hit a 40 year yeah. high just last week. We have, 30 trillion dollars of debt um etc etc so those are some of the things i don't know if i answered the question but those are definitely some of the things very good it sounds like it sounds like your campaign is uh is par on par for the course uh uh, 
Yeah, seeing a turnaround, you know, and speaking about like uh, citizens and, and, you know, the constituency just kind of waking up to what it is that they're really either they don't vote or they vote into someone's information on that. You know, they end up with things like inflation. Uh, I think one of the more dramatic things that we've seen, at least from like the uh, Hispanic culture, is that they're realizing that they don't have to be Democrat. Like this, this entire um, uh, culture of the, like the walk away or like you know the the they're just walking away from Democrats. You know, now like uh, I come from an apolitical family, so I had no I had no knowledge or basis of what that was for me. And I remember having a conversation. I used to work uh, downtown on Houston Street. And uh, I was in, I was working in a bakery down there in the Gunter. And this, uh, this lady, this affluent lady came up to me and she was like, Oh, well, who, who are you voting for? You know, and I was like, I have no idea back. This was like pre Obama, I think. And uh, I wasn't quite awake yet. And uh, I said, I, I don't know. And she goes, oh, well, you're probably going to vote Democrat. And I was like, oh, and I was like, I guess, you know, but fortunately, you know, what, by the time I woke up, it was, uh, you know, I was voting for, you know, Ron Paul instead. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you, you know, know, Hispanic, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was okay. just going to say Hispanic learning that uh, they don't have to, they don't have to vote Democrat, but they're also realizing that the values that we have uh, align more closely with conservative values. 100% agree. So, and I'll share a couple of things of what you just said. So number one, last, uh, yesterday afternoon, Westside Homeowners Association, I went there and, and, uh, and I'll share this one story. I spoke to, uh, this one lady and, and started sharing some of the stuff that I was about, right? What, what I, my core beliefs are and, and why I'm running for office. And she called her mom over and then her daughter was standing there. And by the time we ended up talking for 10 minutes or so, um, three generations said that we voted historically Democrat and we will absolutely be voting for you. Right. And that's just one story. And so, so district 20 is made up of 670,000 constituents, roughly about 68% Hispanic, but 78% of them speak English as their first language. And most of them, to your point, used to vote historically Democrat. And most of it was because of what JFK stood up for, right? They, the Democratic party used to be the party, the people that valued that. They are now the party of the elitist and extremist. And mm -hmm. so the values of the Hispanic, Hispanic culture have not changed or my values or most people's values. We want low crime. We want good economy. We want we believe in faith and we believe in God and we mm -hmm. believe in this country. Right. Those values, core values have not changed. The party's values have changed. And that's why you're seeing this great wave across the United States of people mm -hmm. voting Republican. Uh, we just had 30 Democrats just as of yesterday said they're not rerunning. They know it's going to be a massive sweep, one that they haven't seen in decades. Um, and, mm -hmm. and to that to that point, I've, I've personally experienced it and, and watching the polls nationally and locally. Mm -hmm. um, great points there. Now, that kind of actually brings up another point of interest for myself and my audience as well, uh, because uh, we're looking at we're looking at this uh, this change in voting demograph kind of like just based on what you're saying what do you think about election security because you're going to absolutely yeah. this is going to be something that's a, a big part of your process you know uh because like personally speaking i do feel that we we do need increased security and we do need to fix some of our voting systems like uh the election registration information centers the number one thing that comes to mind you know, and then we have this uh, this forensic audit alleged that they're doing here 
in the state of Texas in four counties. Do you have a sense or a concern or uh, can you speak to, uh, to anything in, in regards to election security? The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all yeah absolutely so I, I would say absolutely i think uh even if you back up right the, our, our ability to vote in democracy is the biggest thing we have as a country right? you get one vote every two years depending on off cycle every four years for a president right you get mm-hmm. one vote and so it needs to matter it needs to be bipartisan you got to have uh, bipartisan poll watchers. And so there is, you know, wide, widespread uh, fraud across the country. And, and I think it needs to be transparent, right? Uh, what mm-hmm. I find interesting on the national level is, is you know, a 2020 election, if it was won very fairly, then why is 2024 all of a sudden going to be littered with fraud? And mm-hmm. so that those two don't go to, those two don't go hand in hand together. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will tell you, uh, Ken Paxton, AG for Texas, got shot down to be able to bring cases mm-hmm. against, uh, you know, suspicion of fraud. It actually now was shot down and now is pushed back to the local DA level. We know George Soros has actively yep. involved in putting handpicked and funded uh, DA and, and DA key races across this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of stuff, um, you know, and I, I keep saying this, I'm, I'm, I'm religious, you know, and, and so, I keep saying, you know, you shall know a, a man's heart by the fruit of the labors, by the first thing they do, right? It's their actions. And so it's what I find interesting is the number one bill when Democrats took the House and, you know, 50-50 in the Senate, number one mm-hmm. bill was voter integrity. That's the first mm-hmm. thing they go after. That's the first thing they sought when they got in power. Is we need to people. correct, right? And so now you have the poll watching, ballot harvesting, melon ballots, voter ID, I mean, there's all sorts of crazy restrictions. And so I, I firmly believe in, in what Texas did and, and what Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Dan Patrick put in, which is make it harder to cheat and easier to vote. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, early voting is huge. Um, I'm I'm I can't say anti melon ballot, but I think it needs to be limited for rare occasions such as military mm-hmm. and sick, et cetera. Um, I do yeah. not like widespread wide stream. Uh, melon mm-hmm. ballots because it's hard to verify signatures and voter registration. Um, I am I am a huge proponent of uh, of ID. Uh, again, mm-hmm. how, if it's that important, I think it's it's amazing. I'll give you another example. So AOC came into town last Saturday, right? So my my campaign called a rally, an anti AOC rally. We actually called it "Don't AOC My SA," and made <laughs> national news. 
And 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 what what I find ironic, the reason I'm bringing this up in regards to voting, because what I find ironic is she had four or five things that was going on. Number one, everybody had to have a mask on. Everybody had to show voter or excuse me, had to show an ID to get in. Number three, everybody had to show a passport, a vaccine passport to get in. And then number four, they all had to be patted down. What I find interesting, though, is you had to have an ID to get in to hear her speak, but you don't have to have an ID to, to vote. I mean, the, the, the hypocrisy across wide scale is just is ludicrous. And so I think we need some common sense that doesn't make sense. So I'll pause there. But uh, but yeah, I think I do. I do think there needs to increase poll watching and increased uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, bipartisan. Um, absolutely. You know, when in the national level in Atlanta, when you start covering up windows, you're not transparent. Mm-hmm. That leads yeah. to suspicion. Right. And when you yeah. don't trust the process. It, this is, it, it fails. So you have to trust the process. Yeah, that, that really, the, the, and that's just one of the highlights of the things that they did terribly wrong, at least for transparency and, and for trust. Um, the, uh, it's, it's just amazing. It's like um, the whole thing about the uh, election uh, fraud going back down to DAs. You know, we have a Soros DA here in San Antonio. You know, um, Joe Gonzalez or something. Like that. Yeah. I think that's his name. Yeah. You know, and so like we, you know, we're we're looking at all of that stuff. You know, and and also kind of like looking at the go- governorships. Is there anything that they can do about it at that level? And and there are there are remedies to it. Like, uh, but the thing about it is like uh, from from Soros to what we have happening in like you mentioned like with the mail-in balloting and stuff like that like that's a huge issue and uh we see like in harris county and tarrant county they're still trying to run away with being able to use these drop boxes and things like that so always a very big concern have you uh have you heard anything in regards to uh talking again about the national level because trust me uh once you're in office this is going to be a thing that you'll probably have to uh, confront have you heard anything about the um the race, well, I, I call it the race to decertify, but like as far as 2020 went, there is this big movement uh, in the GOP or in, uh, I guess, what would be considered the MAGA patriots or the Save America patriots, America First patriots. Have you heard anything about that in regards to like Senator Wendy Rogers out of Arizona or Captain Seth Keschel here in Texas? Uh, there is a there is a current uh, a pull a push to uh, audit and decertify the states has any of that come across your desk by any chance no it has not especially as a candidate i'm not privy to a lot of that stuff but i again i will tell you um my, my personal opinion yeah i do think there is some fraud i do think there's absolutely highly highly suspiciousness going on on many states um and and we do need accountability in order for the process to to work and to be trusted um is president biden the the president is sitting in the seat. So yes, he is. Do I think uh, he had the most votes in the history of any election based off of his rallies? No, I don't. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when, when numbers stop and, and, and ballots are brought in in the middle of the night, you know, and, and then you're not allowed mm-hmm. transparency to question it. And there's, yeah, there's my there's red flags for me all over the place, absolutely all over the place. So, um, and again, and, and again, if they say 2020, they being Democrat was certified and, and they won it fair and square, then there's no need to change the entire process in regards to voter IDs and how we run elections and, and filibuster, et cetera, et cetera. If it's truly won, then then they won. And then you don't need to worry about 2024 election or even 2022 election. 
but yet it's not. It's the number one thing they're talking about. It's the number one thing they push. And as Senator Cruz called it, it's the Corrupt Politicians Act, right? So there's definitely, you wouldn't as a mainstream party push for something so hard, so fast, so aggressive, if you too didn't realize something happened, Mm -hmm. which we all know something happened. Yeah. Will it ever come out? Will it ever come out and it's decertified? I, I seriously doubt it, but uh, you know, that's my opinion is, is we have a lot of problems. We have a lot of things we need to fix on the uh, that that side of, of America. So, yeah, that I don't know if you caught that one uh, that happened, I think, within a month ago, uh, the Democrats tried to push H.R. 1 and H.R. 4 again, but they hit it in the body of yeah. a NASA. I mean, yeah, that was I insane. Did. Like, I did. you know, I'm just thinking like I, I know they've done these Orwellian kind of flip flop titles for bills, but they it was something that was totally like the for the people HR one is not for the people. It just legalized everything that they did to, you know, commit fraud or cause a lot of uh, a lot of uh, confusion and lack of confidence in elections. And well, but, and, but that, and I, I just find that ironic too. I, I so. I watched a uh, Congresswoman Kat Kamek out of Florida. Um, she, she's the one that I watched about it when she was sharing uh, yeah. what was we happening in regards to that bill. Show, actually, we showed that video of her walking out. Yeah. Of so, 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 <laughs> and I, when I went to DC and back in the uh, end of end of uh, November, begin, uh, beginning of December, I did I talked to her person, not about that, but just in general. But you know, I find it interesting. You know, what what does that have to do with the filibuster? Mm-hmm. Why why is the filibuster being thrown in there? Why is the filibuster being thrown at, as part of the voter, it, just, it makes no sense. And mm-hmm. and I think that's where we, the people, and I put myself in there, even though I'm running for public office and particularly US Congress, I am still a active member of society and, and have, have never run for office. And, and I'm proud of that, I like that. But we lose faith in it when you when you hide stuff and you and you just don't, it's not transparent and, and you try to elude the people and you're not accountable to the people. And there's just, there's a lot of things I don't like that's going on in, in Congress and um, in, in DC right now, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting, very interesting stuff. Uh, tell me about, uh, a, a, about, about your opponent, Joaquin Castro. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll let you speak. I just personally, progressive Democrats, uh, yeah. basically a Marxist in my opinion, but I mean, I, I can have a strong opinion on that. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I'm not here to talk bad about him. I don't wish ill on him or his family or anything like that. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I will try to stay high level and just say very clearly that um, when you support and, and, and I realize my race very fast, there's a, di- my race is not about a Republican versus a Democrat. Mm-hmm. My race is about somebody who believes in the Constitution, liberties and rights being protected under the Constitution and less government and freedom. Right. That's my side. And then you have on his side, which is he believes in big government and wants government to have their hand in every aspect of your life, every aspect of mm-hmm. his life. And so there's just there's just a distinct difference between his race and versus my race and what he has done to support uh the push towards socialism some version of communism in the united states uh, do i think we'll ever get truly communist uh, i seriously doubt it but we will have a form of socialism um and, and government's hand in everything so those are those are the big distinct differences you know I, I will also say and i keep saying this that i think the american people and i know i'm part of that that are tired of career politicians who do nothing i say this jokingly but i say congressman cash and i have one thing in common and that's neither one of us have ever passed a bill in Congress. 
So yeah. he's been in Congress for 10 years, hasn't passed a bill. He spends more time in D.C. for the elitist and extremist than he does protecting and helping the constituents of District 20. Um, I have real issues with that, right? I, another big one is, is he has fought hard for open borders, asylum cities, and they've actually called for the release of illegal immigrants who broke our federal laws and were sitting in prison. Mm-hmm. And, and I had a big issue with that about, about six to eight weeks ago, and I called him out on it, which was, as a United States congressman elected by the constituent of District 20, you were fighting harder for illegal immigrants who broke our federal laws than you are the people that elected you. And mm-hmm. I have a major issue with that. Again, if he was doing a good job, I wouldn't be running for Congress. Right, right. Right. And so I keep sharing that I am not going to D.C. for a career. I have a career. Mm-hmm. And I think those are some very, very distinct differences between us. And when I work hard and do what I can up in D.C., I will then go back to my career in healthcare. Um, and so I think there's some significant differences. But again, I, I'm not going to talk bad about him. I mm-hmm. hope I get to debate him one day. I don't know if he will debate me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, because there's there's such a distinct difference between his platform and what he has pushed for not only a decade, but particularly the last several years. Um, mm-hmm. as well as, uh, you know, what my platform is standing on. Right, right. Wow. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we, we do dig into him a little bit sometimes here on my show, but uh, <laughs> I'll I mean, leave that to you. I'll leave that yeah, to you. Yeah. So. Well, well played, sir. Well played. Uh, <laughs> very respectable. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're pretty much about rounding up almost on the hour. Um, looking forward into November is when, uh, I guess, since there is no primary challenger, nothing like that. um, I mean, I am in your district, so I mean, you kind of know where my vote's going to go. We'll just put it that way. Thank you. Thank you. But, um, but, uh, where can our listeners and viewers go, uh, to, uh, support you or get more information about your campaign? Absolutely. You know, I I would say the easiest one is the website, Kyle 420, and that's Kyle F-O-R 20.com. That's the the campaign website. Um, You can sign up to volunteer, which does the phone banking, the the, um, uh, block walking. You can sign up to put a a yard sign, um, whether it's a small yard sign or a bigger yard sign um, in your yard. And then that's where we also push out information in regards to like, hey, Kyle's doing an event here. We'd love to have you. Um, we share information. So that's all under um, up under sign up. And then uh, obviously we're on every social media platform, very active on social media in regards to Twitter, Snapchat. I even have a TikTok. We just started a YouTube, Facebook um, and, and some of those uh, big things. But and, and I'll end with this is a grassroots campaign. Right. Um, and, and I'm proud of that. It is a grassroots campaign. I have uh, national endorsements from sitting congressmen all the way down to local, you know, women's clubs to, you know, two-star generals and mayors that have endorsed my campaign. The San Antonio Police Officer Association endorsed my campaign. I'm very much pro-police and, and uh, uh, crime. Most people don't know, but San Antonio, for your listeners, 2021 was the deadliest year of homicide since 1994. Wow. And that's due to bad policies. That's due to people trying to defund the police, such as my incumbent, uh, our opponent and, and incumbent Joaquin Castro who supports defunding the police. But yeah, so those are all the big ways to to support. And obviously we're a grassroots campaign, so donations. I mean, I will always take the time to do a hard ask. You know, any donation helps, uh, whether that's $10, $20 or, you know, whatever, whatever generous amount, but you can do that on the website as well. So. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So Kyle, F-O-R-20. Correct. Kyle20.com. 
All right. Sounds good. That's uh, e easy to remember, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. I know. All righty, Mr. Sinclair. Well, again, I do appreciate you taking a few minutes so that we could get to know you and uh, my audience to get to know you and uh, and beyond. And uh, I mean, uh, before we sign off here, is there anything else you'd like to share with uh, with the constituents out there? Yeah, no, I'd say, number one, thank you for having me on. I, I love this opportunity to speak. Anytime you want to hear from me, I mean, I, I don't know if there's any question answers. We can do that sometime, but uh, very open and, and transparent. Um, I want to be amongst the people. I'm very active as a candidate. I attend more events than any uh, candidate running for office right now because I think this is this is a, a position that um, I'm not doing for power or for money or I'm doing it because I want to help. I keep telling my team that the greatest day is not going to be the day that we win. The greatest day is the day after when I get to come back as the congressman-elect or, or the congressman and say, how can I help? My job as a CEO and, and how I advance my career is because I fix problems. And and that's what I look forward to is, is helping the city uh, to get in and fight and to listen to the people so that I can uh, truly help the people of San Antonio and District 20. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for everybody. God bless you guys and your family. And, and you guys have a great Sunday. Uh, yes, sir. And we'll definitely keep an eye on, on your campaign here. And, and who knows, maybe if, uh, if you're able to, you can stop in again sometime. And I'll, I'll definitely try and make it out to one of your campaign events so I can shake your hand and get to know you face to face. Outstanding. Outstanding. Thanks so much for your time. You guys have a good Sunday. Have a good one. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. And there goes uh, Kyle Sinclair, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, very much appreciated having him on the show. I know you guys did as well out there. Uh, that is his website on the screen right now. So it's a uh, Kyle 420. Uh, it's K Y L E F O R two zero dot com. Let me make sure I'm getting that one right too. Yeah. Okay. That's what we got. So if you guys want to uh, spread the word in that regard, uh, sign up. I mean, I'll probably sign up here. I haven't done so just yet, but, uh, I will definitely be doing that. That was that was a pretty good interview, guys. So I hope you guys enjoyed that, ladies and gentlemen. It's always great to get to know our candidates and uh, to get to know those who uh, are seeking to represent us in the future. But as as per always, ladies and gentlemen, it is 100% uh, our job to trust but verify, correct? So this is just part one of the step. And I'm looking forward to seeing future developments from... Uh, Kyle Sinclair and his uh, his campaign as he uh, takes on Joaquin Castro, guys, takes on Joaquin Castro. We got to get him out of office. And I think this is a good bet, guys. So, uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to go ahead and call it a wrap there on that note, guys. And uh, again, I thank you all for have, uh, being in the audience today. If you're live with us over at the Foxhole Pilled uh, at uh, Clout Hub, Twitch, or at Rumble. Um, we will be back again tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, with an episode of the Sea Report as per the usual. And you guys have a great and beautiful rest of your Sunday. Uh, so as always, ladies and gentlemen, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America and God bless Texas. We will see you soon. <laughs>